Capsi Podcast Series, Conversations on African Philanthropy. Welcome to yet another episode with me, Peginko Simoyo, on Conversations on African Philanthropy. Today I'm joined by Memories Zonde Kachambwa. You were saying you are the president of Feminet, the CEO and the executive director. Let's start there. What, 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 what do names really do to our identities? So names are, it's how, it's when you use them. And names talk a lot about positional power. So a name, you have your given name. And I carry a double barrel name. Um, recognizing the patriarchal lineage that I come from. And so names are important. I think naming ourselves is very important. Yeah. I also yeah. name myself as a Pan-African feminist, which in itself um, is an identity that I carry. And yeah, names are so important. Yeah. I, I read somewhere that you also, I don't know whether it's you describe yourself or mm -hmm. others describe you as an intersectional feminist. Mm -hmm. uh, can we break down that um, identity, intersectional feminist? Mm -hmm. So I think intersectional for me is being able to understand the lived realities and knowing that we are not homogeneous. So even when you talk about being an intersectional feminist, it's recognizing the different feminisms and how they are expressed and how they are owned by the different um, feminists, how they are informed by the geographical, the geopolitics, um, the experiences, the historical experiences, the um, identities that people also uh, choose to identify themselves as. So by intersectional is, um, yeah, so I call myself that because I believe there are a lot of feminisms yeah. And you know they are, we are not homogeneous. Yeah, yeah. So, so let's talk about uh, the work that you do mm -hmm. at Feminet. Um, you know, for those that don't know um, what Feminet is and what it does, mm -hmm. can we perhaps maybe give them you know like a one on one class on what Feminet is, what it does, and why it actually uh, was uh, established. Okay, so I'll start from Feminet, why yeah. it was established. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Feminet is one of the largest feminist networks and women's rights organizations. We are 35 years this year in 2023. So we've been really working on ensuring that women are engaged in policy spaces. How we began, um, what happened was there was going to be the world's conference on women so it was going to happen in nairobi and this conference had happened in montreal in canada and in mexico as well so when it was coming to africa in nairobi there was a realization amongst most of the actors back then there were no ministers of gender for example so this was being organized by ministers of foreign affairs and there was a whole need for women to get together and say, we need to have an organization that can share information so that we are able to engage in all these processes that will be happening at a global level. So that's how Feminet came to be. So following the Nairobi summit, 
which was the precursor to the popular Beijing summit that most people know, the World Conference, the fourth World Conference on Women, um, FemNet was actually formed. And it actually resulted in having robust participation. So when women went to Beijing, they were able to come up with a common Africa position in terms of what are the certain tactics, what are the particular issues they want to influence um, in the Beijing conference. So that's how FemNet was born. And one of the things that actually came from the Africa group was the issue around the girl child. Yeah. So it was actually coined on the African continent <clears throat> and included in the, in the Beijing um, platform for action and declaration. And also when women came back from Beijing, there was, FemNet was there to also monitor and to support and to link in terms of how do we make sure that what has come out from this global conference can actually be implemented, who is doing what, what sort of language, when you talk of language, I mean what sort of policy language can countries actually use in terms of ensuring that the gender machineries are established in their respective countries. So we go on to even about Maputo protocol, um, I'm just fast forwarding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah in terms yeah. of what is feminine. <laughs> yeah. So this is the kind of work that we do. So we work across the continent. We have members in 50 African countries, but a presence in all the 55 African countries. We also recognize um, the countries which are recognized, um, the states which are recognized by the African Union. Yeah, yeah. We also include <clears throat> diaspora as the sixth region on the continent. So we are working with African feminists who are in the diaspora, who, are, who have work and who want to connect. Yeah. And recently we're also working with the Pacific and the Caribbean uh, networks as well. So essentially our work as FemNet is to push policy, is to ensure that we do a lot of advocacy, we do a lot of capacity strengthening. Um, we are sort of like structured and framed around four main areas, which we call like anchors. So the first one is on feminist solidarity. So when we talk about feminist solidarity, what does it mean? Yeah. When something happens in DRC, in Niger, in Sudan, something is happening in South Africa, in Zimbabwe, we have our members who are able to bring it um, so that the network can actually know, send solidarity messages, connect them also. A lot of the time we have human, women, human rights defenders who are in crisis, so we connect them to the organizations, the feminist philanthropies, which yeah, actually support yeah, yeah. women human rights defenders. Yeah, yeah. Our other anchor is around soul, building an organization with a soul. So using feminist organizational effectiveness tools to be able to say, what does it mean to be an organization with a soul? Um, how can we internally organize ourselves as a membership network, but also how can we also transfer that yeah. and also learn yeah. from other organizations and networks so that as a movement we are really um, sensitive about building organizations with a soul that center people, um, that center well-being, that mm. also are brave, that also are disruptive in the kind of work that they do. Our other anchor is also about power. So when you talk about power we are talking about how do we dismantle the oppressive power which we know um, our geopolitical positioning is 
We are a continent that has been colonized. And within that, we know that our positioning has to really shift the colonial power and its impact, the neoliberal power. It also needs to look at all the issues around racism, how they also intersect and how they also interact, um, the class issues. So our, most of our programming are under that anchor around power. So within that, we are um, also looking at specific thematic areas that we work on. And we work on climate justice, uh, feminist transformational leadership where we work with women in politics and women in leadership in public, private and civil society. Our other um, thematic focus is on sexual reproductive health and rights and ending harmful practices and on ending violence against women and girls. And then the last one, um, that last, the last thematic area that we, we work on is on economic justice and rights. So under sexual reproductive health and rights, we also look at sexual reproductive justice. So yeah. we are moving not mm -hmm. just from the rights, but to the justice. And our last anchor as Feminet is on voice. So we really believe that um, we want to amplify the voices of African women and girls in all their diversities. So what we have is um, we use a lot of tools online, uh, we create, we really want to start shifting narratives in terms of having, if you are working with young women and girls, have them to have to speak for themselves, yeah. to be able to give them the opportunity. Uh, so we curate, we catalyze for them to have a voice in the policy spaces that we engage in. It could be the African Union, it could be the, the UN Commission on the Status of Women. It could be in the different convenings. We are very intentional about ensuring that the African women voices are the ones which are actually speaking and shaping our policies and they're shaping the narratives. Mm. Under our climate justice program, we, we, have, we work with women who are at the center of the climate crisis because most of the times, most of these spaces they will attend in terms of just attending, but they are not actually given a chance and a voice to be able to speak in their language, in their own understanding, besides all this yeah. jargon. Yeah. And in our economic justice and rights, um, another way in terms of the way we organize is we also have academies, which we do, and these are spaces where we curate uh, to ensure that the different activists are able to have a deeper understanding because we believe we need a lot of thought leadership within the movement on all these issues. Yeah. So we have an academy on climate justice, an academy on economic justice, an academy on feminist transformative yeah. Um, yeah. leadership. Yeah. So that's feminist. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And obviously in the 35 year history, mm -hmm. there have been some ups and downs. Um, um, are, you, are you in a position to reflect on some of those, uh, mm -hmm. but also with the view to, to almost showcasing some of the successes? Because at the end of the day, a 35-year history is really a heritage, and we mm -hmm. must be in a position to celebrate that. Yeah. So I think for us, when we started, we were really receiving a lot of vertical funding um, from UNICEF, actually yeah. UNICEF was the UN entity that sort of like housed us. So we started by being incubated. 
um, as a network. And then, of course, over the years, we're able to establish ourselves. So our physical office is in Nairobi, Kenya. Initially, we started in, in, Daris, in Tanzania, then yeah, we moved yeah. and got registered in Kenya. So over the 35 years, we, it hasn't been that easy because we just started as a small secretariat. Um, and one of the major challenges that we had was ensuring that there is representation in terms of the diversity, it could be the language issue, you know, ensuring that all the documents are translated. So yeah. one yeah. of the okay. things that we know is at the UN, for example, at the Commission on the Status of Women, the negotiations on the outcome document is done in English. So it's not translated. So they will send us zero draft, and then we would then use our resources to ensure that we are able to translate it to ensure that the Francophone, uh, sometimes the Portuguese, and sometimes Arabic, but most cases we just have to just translate it to, to, to French. Yeah. So that's yeah. one of the major challenges in terms of when we reflect to be able to have the resources which we can allow us when we talk about inclusion. And, you know, we always say to be inclusive, it means an intentionality, but it also means a presence yeah. of the person yeah. or of the people to be the ones who are leading that work. So to ensure that even within our secretariat, with that diversity, we're francophone, we have people coming from all the five regions of the continent. So that's what we've also managed to yeah, do yeah. and also include even in our governance, um, having a representative of young women, a representative of the diaspora, yeah, but affirming yeah. ourselves as, as a feminist organization. Yeah, yeah. And we did had, had we had also had a, a governance crisis around 2012, 2013. I mean, we, we had to disband, we had a trustee, we had a board of directors. So there was some, you know, uh, disagreements thereabouts, but we managed to then restructure and really start assetting ourselves. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Yeah, but we have seen a lot of growth, we've seen a lot of expansion, um, also in terms of, um, the political positioning, you know, yeah. calling yourself feminist in some countries actually puts you in a lot of danger. So being part of a pan-African feminist network yeah. means yeah. that we have to be also sensitive to some of those, um, yeah. Yeah. some of those realities. What does it mean? You, we will still push, you know, if it means we use language, but still allows to have those feminist values still allows us to be able to have a penetration into the country and to support the work that yeah, is happening. Yeah, so yeah. it's also being able to be agile, to be able to move around yeah. uh, some of that because we are all diverse and yeah. you know, on the continent, it's, it's, not, it's not easy to be able to ensure that yeah we are meeting all the needs and the expectations um, yeah. uh, that are expected out of us. Yeah. But I should say, I think we've really pushed, um, we've really, we really had a lot of support. And just recently, we have been pushing for what we are calling Africa Disrupt, where we are saying the Commission of the Status of Women has been happening 67 years now in, um, in New York. And we realize that it's so difficult for us um, coming from the continent to, first of all, to afford 
Uh, secondly, the shrinking space, we are not able to even engage in the discussions yeah. Yeah. and things like that. Yet, it's a very important platform which was set up to ensure that the Beijing is implemented, that the gender um, transformative, you know, the gender issues are actually included. Yeah. But we, we find it's, it's, it's not a, a place which is really accommodating us. It's difficult for us to get visas. So we have been really pushing for, for them to consider and to actually move it from it being done every year in New York, but to also look at other countries yeah, yeah. which actually have the same UN structures. It could be even Geneva. It could be here on the continent. Yeah, we have Addis. Yeah. We have Nairobi. We also have other processes, UN processes, which are more inclusive, yeah, like the yeah. Conference of Parties on Climate yeah, Change. Yeah, so yeah. we are actually have been having a campaign because yeah. we find in such a space where it's the women in rural areas, it's the young women who are denied year after year to be in that space where they should be. So yeah, we've yeah. been doing this campaign and we, we, we are still yeah. pushing to say, yes, there are always these technicalities around this is how things are meant to be. But we saw with COVID how COVID disrupted the way of our working. Yeah, so yeah. it is an opportunity for us to start thinking differently around inclusion and more so for women's rights so that yeah, where yeah. it matters and for the women who are supposed to be having their voice, their presence in that space. Because our governments, most of the times, do not even want to listen to us. So yeah, there's, if yeah. the space is shrinking at a national level, at a regional level, so the global level can actually be the space which can ensure yeah that, you know, yeah. they are able to yeah. have that interaction. Yeah. So that's one of the things yeah. among so, many. So you mentioned earlier that there are different variations or mm -hmm. versions of feminism. Mm -hmm. So one would want to know how do you moderate among mm -hmm. the different versions? So that's one. But mm -hmm. two, uh, you also spoke about issues of voice, power, soul, among others. Mm -hmm. How do you incorporate or work with your grassroots, you know, feminist organizations. For example, in mm -hmm. Kenya, I'll probably think about the grassroots women, mm -hmm. uh, women's human rights, mm -hmm. uh, which also has, um, you know, an affiliation like uh, Rachel's outfit, the Pussy Power. Mm -hmm. How do you work with those um, groups that I think, mm -hmm. I think, I mean, as I read some of their work, I, I realized how they were affected by COVID, for example. And COVID is a specific moment that that managed or rather calls for us to adopt a lot of the principles that we are articulating, whether it's issues of care, wellness, issues of an organization being uh, the one that has a, a soul, etc., etc. So those two, how do you moderate, you know, among various variations, but also how do you work closely with the grassroots versions of feminist uh, movements? So. We are always being asked about, oh, we see you doing a lot of work. How does that yeah, affect yeah. the? How does that affect my mother in the rural areas? Yeah, Actually, yeah, that's the yeah. question when we're yeah. developing our strategy, yeah. our ten-year strategy. So, every question we're getting was, how does that affect yeah, my yeah, mother yeah. or my sister in 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 the in the rural areas in the informal settlements? Yeah, yeah. So, one of the things that we are very deliberate about is actually working 
with the diversity. Yeah, so yeah. it's bringing their lived realities, for example, so that their lived realities can be heard by the policymakers, and also ensure, ensuring that they can share their experiences into the different spaces yeah, and platforms. Yeah. So for example, um, we worked a lot with um, Zane Lembeki's foundation, where they had, um, they called it the, Afric, the African Women in Development yeah, Conference, yeah, just yeah. pre-COVID. And one of the things we did was to identify um, seven women's rights organizations, even human rights defenders, who are in, in all the African countries to be able to be part of that. So that's yeah, how yeah, we work. Yeah. We have members, uh, uh, women living with disabilities, we have uh, gender non-conforming persons, uh, women in working on land rights issues. So in all their diversity, I think the good thing about FemNet is that it's a diverse yeah, network. Yeah, and yeah. Every year at the African Union, for example, they have a specific thematic focus. So they may be focusing on, like, um, I think this year they were looking at the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement. Yeah, yeah. So we are able to say within our membership who is working. They could be doing cross-border trading. Um, they could be market women. Yeah. They could be women working in large enterprises. They could be uh, groups working on think tanks, which are working on feminist policies. So we are bringing them together for maybe pre-conferences so that they can actually influence the regional economic commissions. They can influence the AU um, member states um, conferences. So that's how we work with yeah. them. And yeah. it's, it's, so we are so, that is actually why we try and bring them to be, if we are to go in any space, we want to first reach out to the to the communities, which in most cases will not be able to be able to yeah. participate, yeah. and also to link them up. So we do a lot of that networking to say maybe there's this network of women's rights organizations. So we have individuals and organizations. Yeah. Yeah. So which makes our network that that diverse in terms of, um, you know, we have radical feminists, yeah. we have feminists who really front maybe. Um, liberal feminism so it's, it's bringing them all together we have those that just want to focus in terms of coming up with papers being more research more academic so we are able to accommodate and our one of our most exciting work is working with girls and adolescents uh, girls who are like from uh, this year we had I think we had a girl who was almost 16 years uh, 14 years because the thing is when would they have a chance to be in the movement? So we also realized there was a huge gap of, and these are girls who, we are specific, girls from key, com key populations, from communities in informal, rural, living with disabilities. So we, we really target them to be able to come together for the Africa Girls and Young Women's Festival, which is a space that we curate as a safe space um, for them to be able to link with other girls, but to really discuss what you know, how, what do they want the policies? Because a lot of the times we are in these spaces without giving a chance, and we do it in ways which are not the usual workshop of panels. But we are just really just having conversations, a lot of storytelling. We had the same our Climate Justice Academy, which I mentioned before. 
where we actually go to, we identify women who in most cases are not part of an organization, they might not be registered, but we know the women who from Nigeria who were uh, part of um, pushing against the pipeline, the women from South Africa who were agitating yeah. against the big oil companies, the women who experienced the flooding, the recent flooding um, in Malawi, the women who are still crying from yeah. The, yeah. The, the, the cyclone that happened in Zimbabwe, in Mozambique, bringing them all together, the women from DRC who were displaced by the Inga Dam and these, um, you know, big uh, yeah. IFI yeah. projects. Yeah. So we bring them in a space where it's a healing space. We are sharing tools of feminist policy influencing and that's how we actually reach. So yeah. there's also a huge assumption that if my mother, my grandmother, who never calls herself a feminist, but she did amazing feminist yeah, work. Yeah. I mean, we are also curating some of her stories. You know, it is the African women in yeah, any country yeah. you go. You go to Ghana, yeah. you go to Tanzania. It's the African women who have never been recognized. Yeah. They've been invisibilized. And yet they did amazing feminist work, even against the colonial. Pre-colonial, we have them. Um, even now, we have them. We're really agitating and pushing against all these oppressive powers yeah. and so our yeah our role and some of what we do yeah. is to really make sure that you might not call yourself a feminist because yeah. you're living in a yeah. rural area but what you're doing yeah. is feminist yeah. work yeah. and it should yeah. be recognized for that yeah. Yeah. and we also respect you for not saying you are not feminist yeah. Yeah. but we also want to start dismantling these notions that Oh, feminism is elitist. It is not elitist, you know. Yeah. Of yeah. course, you might have the people who are in most of these platforms, most of the times, they are seen as being elitist, but it's actually not. So when we go right to the community levels in all of the communities, it's, it's just amazing because yeah. at the core of feminism is around power. You know, building power within to yeah, be able to yeah, overcome yeah, yeah, the yeah. oppressive power. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 that's our work. Yeah. So as we, we draw closer to ending the conversation, what's next for Feminet? If you cast your eyes maybe into the next 10, 15 years, what would you say are the next frontiers for the kind of work that you are doing? So most of our work really is around, so we've seen a lot of the anti-gender movement, which is really affecting the work, you know. So we find we are in a current space where we have the shrinking civic space, which affects civil society, yeah. but more so for women's rights, for feminist work network, is the anti-gender movement, anti-gender, um, you know, who are really, insidious in terms of they support the governments, yeah. right? Yeah. They take them on retreats. Um, they are able to use other tactics. They are well-funded. They are well-organized. They have long-term plans. So us as Feminine, what we are also doing is trying to also organize ourselves to be able to be more resilient, you know, to be able to ensure that our work is continuous, you know. Yeah. So we find yeah. ourselves in most women's rights organizations are the least funded. There's a lot of data which shows that. So doing advocacy for, for more funding to go to women's movements, 
regardless of how they are, they could not be registered. Sometimes they are not registered. Sometimes they don't want to be institutionalized. It's a movement. So also ensuring that we continue with our advocacy for that. Um, our issues that we are working on are issues that we, we, we are working a lot on economic justice and rights, yeah. on tax justice yeah. issues, yeah. on debt, you know, canceling debt, restructuring debt, because we see how the burden is. Um, issues around the care economy, um, understanding it from an African perspective. When we talk about the work that we do on curbing illicit financial flows that are coming from the continent and having investments that will go to fund and to support um, feminist movements, social justice issues, you know, uh, political issues. One of the things that we find most of the time is we want more women to participate, yeah. but we know how monetized the and how violent the political space is. So yeah, part of yeah. our work is how do we start transforming that space, getting more women to be in that space first, and then transforming yeah. it within that. And of course, uh, continuing, we see ourselves really continuing on our work using our networks, on our work on climate justice. Um, I think already we are part of um, the feminist, Africa Feminist Climate Justice and the Africa Gender and Women's Constituency. Yeah. But really having a movement of African women who are able to influence policy, so we have two frontiers, for them to participate meaningfully and for them to be able to understand and break down. So for example, our Climate Justice Academy was looking at climate finance. What does climate finance mean for the rural woman, for the woman who's been displaced, how when you talk of loss and damage, all these funds which are being talked about, adaptation fund, how do we make sure they actually reach yeah. and there are yeah. also reparations for all the damage that is made, but that women are central to shaping these discussions because we see how they've been made very complex, very technical. So we sort of like break it down so that we can shift the narrative. So. Yeah. Our work is really moving towards that and really pushing for more inclusion to yeah. really say yeah. when you talk of sexual reproductive health and rights, we are coming up with the African Feminist Charter on sexual reproductive health yeah. and rights to say when we talk about our bodily autonomy, it's not foreign. So we find most policymakers, the anti-gender movement saying that's foreign to us. Yeah. You know, yeah. when you talk about sexuality, what does that mean? comprehensive sexuality education why is it important for ensuring that you know women are able to make their choices on their bodies and that it is African and that it is needed and that we need specific investments around that so I think in the next 10 or so years we really want to build a very strong movement that is also linking with our diaspora um, community and also out out in the global spaces as well. Yeah. It's very important for Africa to be represented, to also push and input into those policies because we know how geopolitically, policies which are made at a global level are adopted and they will then influence yeah. us. So we are doing a lot of work around that. Yeah. We also, like our work on debt, is also looking at um, how do we shape 
um, issues yeah. around debt, these um, working with the international financial institutions. How do we have them yeah. look at analyze them with a feminist lens around that? Yeah. And just really being the network that is disruptive, yeah. Um, yeah. that is able to influence that, yeah. you know, yeah. has yeah. the voice of African women and girls. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Well, we certainly wish you another 35 years uh, and even more. Uh, but, you know, finally, when we were in Russia, I think, mm -hmm. beginning of the year, and Trust Africa and Age Election Fund were setting mm -hmm. up this Pan-African Feminist uh, Fund, mm -hmm. and people were asked to contribute. Mm -hmm. you, you donated, uh, <laughs> uh, I think, unborn uh, mm -hmm. calves, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, and when I met you two days ago, I think or, 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 or yesterday, I immediately asked you about yeah. about those cows. Yeah. What is the importance of of philanthropy, African philanthropy, for mm -hmm. that matter, in the work that you do? Because your donation was very unique, and um, and and I I was intrigued by it because I personally believe mm -hmm. that we have not tapped into the the powerful forms of African philanthropy empowering our movements. Yeah. So I think for me, you know, um, coming from an Afri the Africa background that I come from, the source of wealth has always been cattle. Yeah. And one of the things which, um, yeah. So one of the things I come from, my father was a farmer, my mom was a farmer, and. I, I remember there was always a cow which was meant for the mother yeah. and yeah. that cow was given when she got married etc and things like that but the other cows might not be given physically but that one had to be physical yeah. so yeah. I think for me it's it's really saying I think as Africans we 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 do have the assets in terms of really giving and you find most women, they give of their time. There's a lot of unpaid care work, yeah, a lot of yeah. community work that women actually do in terms of social justice, which is at most time, it's not even recognized as work. They're expected to go to rallies, they're expected to support this and that. So we have been giving a lot of our time. It's just not remunerated in terms of the kind of wealth as money. But I feel we have a huge um, wealth that we can actually give, and yeah, we have already yeah. been giving as yeah. communities. Yeah. But even beyond that, is um, how do we ensure that the way we are talking about African philanthropies is also informed by feminist and women's movements as well? Yeah. So. Yeah. We have feminist uh, philanthropy funders, but we also have the feminist movement. So I think one, one of the things that I, I'm always saying is also important for us to, to, to also have um, the movements themselves also speak within the philanthropy spaces, also interact with the philanthropies to be able to shape how they want to be, they want the sort of funding, what it can actually do for them. because. When we go into the technical in terms of how the money, sometimes it's so complex. Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah. it requires a lot of work for, you talked about um, pussy power. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, she was talking about how it takes a lot for them to be doing all these proposals, meeting all these demands. 
So I think having more and more movements to be part of the conversations on philanthropy and also showcasing what they will do to them. So for example, we were actually uh, discussing with my colleagues from Kenya how one of the organizations they gave um, a women's movement, uh, it, it was a group uh, that was working in one of the informal settings. So when they got the money, they divided it amongst themselves. It wasn't, so they were like, how do you move from that? Yeah, they didn't yeah, use it for yeah, program, yeah. but they've been doing so much work. I'm always talking about um, um, this young lady we work with from Kibera in yeah, Kenya. Yeah. And during COVID, they construct, they build a shelter. They build a shelter by themselves using sand, using recycled materials, and they built a shelter. And when one of the funders wanted to fund them, they were like, oh, we need to give them money, but they have no structures, yeah, yeah, you see. Yeah, yeah. And all the way, all they wanted is their effort was never compensated. Yeah, so yeah, when they yeah. get money, they'll divide they it. Yeah. You know, you go, you start your biashara, your business, you go do this, you go do this. Yeah. So it's also how I think there needs to be a lot of transformation on the people who are receiving, but also what we term as, yeah, yeah. as philanthropy. Yeah. And I think Becky are always talking about yeah, it, yeah, <laughs> how yeah. we are givers on the African yeah, continent. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it's, it's how do we make sure that it really works for us. And, yeah, yeah. you know, when it, a lot of talk around trust-based giving, multi-year, you know, predictable yeah, funding. Yeah, and for yeah. me, this is what I think the message is, if we have more of that, yeah, and yeah. we've actually seen funds. I mean, I'm, I'm always you know, impressed by the Black Feminist Fund. Yeah. Even though we might, you know, the way Mackenzie gave her money. Yeah. I mean, yeah. for me, that's how. I mean, yeah. giving organizations money for their mandate. Right. We right. will do our work, which is unfunded. When you did Africa Disrupt, it wasn't funded for, yeah. you know. When we started the Academy Economic Justice, there was something that we sort of like curated and then, you know, we yeah. managed to get yeah. funding. So yeah. I think having more of that to say, what do you really want? What does your mandate, yeah. you know, say? What is your strategy? And then getting funding for that. Yeah. And yeah. 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 yeah, also learning how yeah. to diversify yeah. and sustain that. Yeah. yeah. Certainly, uh, we could have more conversations. Um, mm -hmm. I think we going to end it here. And hopefully uh, in a year or two, we might catch up with you just to check how we are doing. So thank you so much, Memory, for joining us. Uh, it's just been my pleasure just listening to the great work that Feminist is doing. Thank, thank you, you so much, thank Becky. You. I had a question. Yes. Uh, <laughs> no, my question was just um, in, the, in the data and the work that you're doing, right. um, I'm just very curious also maybe to find out um, whether you've been looking at women's organizations, movement, how philanthropy flows around that from an African yeah, perspective. Yeah, so yeah. I'll be just happy yeah, if you can also yeah. share some of that yeah. um, work yeah. as well. So we do have a couple of papers, but I don't think the data has been that consolidated enough to give us a sense of what's going on. Okay. However, we have an initiative that we have already established, Women in African Philanthropy. Okay. And that initiative has got several dimensions. One mm -hmm. is research. Mm -hmm. So under the research dimension, we're going to be doing a lot of research that is focused mm -hmm. on women and philanthropy 
looking at the flows of money, looking at what that they are doing, etc., etc. Mm -hmm. The second dimension will be around teaching. Mm -hmm. uh, again, um, you know, when you look at our modules, our modules are not specifically on women and philanthropy. They might have some elements of that, but we want to we want to develop curriculum that is specific mm -hmm. to women and philanthropy, and that we would want to do in collaboration mm -hmm. with organizations like yourselves, the Black mm -hmm. Feminist Fund, and many others. So that you 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 curate the curriculum yourselves uh, around that. We have done that with other institutions, for example, on advancement and resource mobilization within your team, because they are the specialists there. So we have designed that with them. And then the third dimension is going to be around advocacy, uh, advocacy on certain issues, policies, uh, enabling environment, and that is going to be informed obviously by research and you know the the, the practice. Um, and, you know, what will be happening on the ground. Mm -hmm. So I think that's it's a realization that we made just a couple of years back that mm -hmm. our programs are not designed um, well enough to be engendered and we mm -hmm. want to engender them. Okay. Yeah, and also I think um, just one thing which I also found is a lot of the times we, saw, we talk about data and research and policy, yet we find um, our Africa way is yeah. a lot of storytelling yeah. Yeah. so yeah. harnessing those yeah. stories yeah. Yeah. and making sure that yeah. they are authentic yeah. enough to yeah. inform policy yeah. 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 Um, they are also yeah. authentic yeah. enough to be yeah. able to to shift things yeah. and creating yeah. more space yeah. for for yeah. them but so, of course so we have to write you, behind you is, is kisima african giving platform uh -huh. it's a platform where we have actually invited different people from across the continent organizations mm -hmm. to send us stories um, oh. Those stories could be in writing, they could mm -hmm. be uh, videos, they could be WhatsApp notes, etc. Mm -hmm. etc. And we've collected mm -hmm. stories from I think more than maybe six or so countries right now. Okay. And those stories are in any language of your choice. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the site automatically translates the languages into whatever language you want. Okay. As long as it is, as long as the module is on site. So I think we have about 13 languages right now. Okay. So again, in terms of you know collaborating with different groups, it's, it's really to invite mm -hmm. them to 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 send stories to mm -hmm. come into the site. What we are seeing now is that mm -hmm. those stories are now being used by our lecturers, by our students, oh. uh, whenever they are studying, let's say, yeah, community philanthropy, mm -hmm. African ways of giving. Then they go to those stories because they are captured in such a way that they are mm. telling exactly what people are doing on the ground. So again, yeah. it's, a okay. very, it's a very good question because it forces me mm. to then invite you and your networks yes. and others <laughs> to be part of the Kisima giving uh, okay. to the Absolutely. Yeah, Thank you. we'll do that. Thank you so much. That was uh, Memory Sonde Kachambwa uh, talking to us from uh, the sidelines of the fourth African conference here in Sali, uh, Senegal. Thank you for watching. See you next time. You've been listening to the Capsi podcast series, Conversations on African Philanthropy.